I recently saw a question about like, what is one of the hardest things in business? And I, and I think people maybe don't think about this enough. And I think it's something that today's guest we have been um, introduced to because of following this kind of methodology, if you will, building a network, maybe when you don't need help from someone and just building that is probably the most underrated thing in, in, in not just the business world, but like um, your, your friendship world, everything. Like when, yeah. when you need something, the worst time to try build your network is when you, when you need it. Cause then they're like, who is this donkey? What am I doing? Uh, what, what do you think about that? Just whole kind of concept of constantly building a network, even if you don't need, have an ask for them or something like that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think, I guess the phrase that I always say is, uh, you know, networking is like a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. Mm. So, uh, yeah, you can't be, I I think that people just by nature want to help. Um, and if you don't ask, they don't know how that they can help you. So, uh, yeah, some people are just really, they're, they're afraid to ask or whatever, but a lot of people that they look forward to helping people makes them feel good. And I think when you have an ask, if you're going to have an ask, have a very specific ask, not some like loosey goosey thing like, oh, well, you know, if you could introduce me to one of those people, that would be great. It's like mm, the more specific, yeah. the more likely someone is able to capitalize on on what they're looking for, which brings us to today's guest, Carl Palme of Anabato. I think I said that right. Did I get it yeah. right two times in a row? Absolutely, Zach. <laughs> yes. We Welcome were show, introduced... Carl. We were introduced to you by Rachel Kossler, Kossler, a, I think I messed up her name, but a couple months ago, um, she was our favorite uh, person dealing with hands and, and, and being better on broadcast. And uh, if her tool was currently on my screen right now, which it isn't, it would be yelling at me saying, you're terrible today, Zach. You've had too much coffee, but welcome to the show, Carl. Thank you, Zach. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to jump right in because yeah, this in. is this is the thing that I love so much about doing this show is the fact that we can bring people on that I know nothing about. And this is yet another area in which I know nothing about. But just real quick elevator type pitch, uh, you know, what, what tell us about your company and what's the background of it? Yeah. So um, we make the Anaboto. Um, it is a cannabis growing robot for home use. And the reason we built this is, um, you know, people want to grow cannabis for several reasons, because they want fresh pesticide free cannabis of high quality. There's a strain that works particularly well for certain people. Uh, once you grow your own cannabis, you have enough supply for three to six months and you can dose appropriately. Uh, and in some cases, you just want to save money. It's, it's very expensive to go buy high quality cannabis in the market. And so growing at home has become a more important thing for people. Having said that, uh, there are a lot of challenges with growing cannabis at home. It takes a lot of time, a lot of expertise. And for people like me who don't have a green thumb and we just kill all sorts of plants, um, having an automated system that just does it for you is a lifesaver for in a lot of cases. And so uh, there's 12 million Americans who want to grow cannabis at home, and we are hoping that they can grow it with our Anaboto. That's fascinating. I think the only thing that I really know about cannabis, home growing, grown cannabis is probably the television show Weeds, or I don't know if it was a television show, but uh, I just have this thing where you have uh, in my mind where you have a bedroom or, you know, the, the whole upstairs is filled with lights and power is just uh, generating like crazy. So 
looking at at that, it doesn't seem like that's uh, that's the case. Is that it behind all. you? Yeah, this is it. I mean, this is fake grass, uh, but oh. this is the idea, right? It grows it grows from up here. And uh, but you're right, Tim. I mean, growing at home, you know, you have this awful purple light. It is this operation that's in your basement and. And traditionally, I mean, people did this because it was illegal, right? And they were growing their own cannabis so that they could sell it. Uh, well, now it's, it's, it's legal. It is legal to grow cannabis at home in 14 states for any use whatsoever. And in, I think, about 22 states for medicinal use. And, you know, if we take a lead from what Biden said last week, uh, cannabis reform is coming it, it, our way, which is great. Uh, but one of the things that we did discover when we started our market research was that, yes, People did not want to have that grow operation in their, in their house. I mean, especially city dwellers and professionals, executives, athletes, the kind of mainstream market that we're going after doesn't want to have that kind of grow operation. But if we could make something beautiful that could sit in your living room where the lights are actually comfortable for pets, for, you know, the plant, for humans, um, and it is a statement piece, like you would have a wine cellar, a wine fridge, a very nice coffee machine something that you could be proud of and you can share with your friends and your family, then I think we have a winning product. And that's exactly what we're doing with the Anaboto. How did you come up with the idea of, of doing cannabis and not some other sort of plant? Because like when I first moved into my house, someone gave me a pineapple and it didn't grow probably because I didn't have something like an Anaboto and I didn't know, you know, when to fertilize, when to whatever. Uh, but I think it, it's interesting because I think if I had a tool that would have made it grow on its own instead of me having to try to make it work it probably would have become a big pineapple but instead it didn't so how did you decide that cannabis was the the route yeah that, that's a great question and, and by the way pineapples are awesome uh but they do take three years to grow so it's it would have been a long oh period my but, goodness. Uh... so i killed it before i needed to i gave it a year oh i i oh, often think you? about that because i'm like god how did these pineapple farmers man I, and i'm getting off on a quick tangent i mean like the the number of pineapples that are consumed based on how long it takes to grow a pineapple. I mean, these pineapple farms or however they grow must be huge. Yeah. I, I just, that's, this. this is fascinating. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge investment. The same thing with vanilla. It takes a long time to grow, but uh, this is all actually a great segue to the genesis of boundless robotics. So um, I'm a robotics and artificial intelligence nerd, and I've been working in, you know, related industries for the past two decades. And so, but in the same time, you know, I love technology and everything. I've had the urge of growing more of my food at home. Um, you know, there's going to be supply chain disruptions. More and more people are going to live in the world. You know, more people are moving into cities. People are living longer. I think food supply is going to become an issue. And we saw that uh, during the COVID pandemic. I mean, the supermarkets were empty. And, and this is something that could potentially happen more and more often. And so I've always been interested in growing at home, but there are three things that are preventing me from growing at home. One is I live in a city, so I don't have a lot of space. I don't have a lot of outdoor space. Uh, the second one is I am a professional, a working professional. I don't have a lot of time to do this. And the third one, which is probably the most important, is like I said, I have the opposite of a green thumb. I kill all the plants. I mean, that's why I have plastic plants because uh, I just can't keep them alive. And so I wanted to figure out how can I use my background in AI and robotics to grow more of my food at home? And so I developed the system. It uses a camera to look at how the plant is growing. Based on that, we look for certain markers. We also look at your water supply. We look at your microclimate around the, the device. And we were able to grow plants effortlessly. I mean, you just add water, you press a button, and it worked. 
Uh, and when we started doing the market research to figure out how big this market is, it, it became apparent to me that people are just not as interested in growing food at home today. It's not an urgent problem. I mean, and, and granted, this was back in 2016, 2017. Um, people were just not that into growing plants at home uh, for food because food was plenty, right? And, and it, it was there. Um, so we started talking to other people. Cannabis became legal in Massachusetts in 2016. And very quickly, we discovered um, that people are interested in growing cannabis at home. It is a huge problem. Uh, pe people use it, 90% of people who use cannabis use it for health and wellness reasons. And so they want access to high quality, fresh, pesticide-free cannabis. Uh, and the only way to know what you're consuming is to grow it on your own, right? Especially if you're using it for medicinal purposes, you don't want to ingest something that has been washed in, in some chemical or has had some pesticide on it. Um, it is different when you inhale these pesticides than when you actually consume them in your stomach, like with fruits. And, and But you should wash all that anyway. Um, so I started because I wanted to grow more of my food at home, did some market research. Turns out that that's not an urgent problem today. It's going to be an urgent problem in the future. But what is urgent today is growing cannabis at home. And so we pivoted to cannabis and now we've optimized the technology for cannabis, but we can grow anything on this. And so in the office, we're growing peppers. I'm growing peppers at home. It turns out that our users love growing cannabis and they grow so much of it that in between grows, they grow peppers to make salsa and then they go back to cannabis. And so it is a very multi-purpose device. Uh, we have just optimized its production for cannabis at the moment. I mean, make the cannabis and then make your own munchies. I mean, why not? You know, some toppings <laughs> for the nachos. <laughs> Tim? When someone purchases the, the Anabato, is, is what what comes with that? Uh, yeah, it, it break down the kit for us, if you will. Yeah, so that's a great question. We we sell fancy buckets and electronics. We are not a plant touching company. Uh, the kit comes with a device. It comes with the lamp. Uh, the lamp, by the way, uh, you know, we because cannabis has an odor, uh, and because our intention is to have you grow cannabis in your living room, so you can see the plant grow and you can use it as a statement piece and all the things that I talked about earlier. We needed to invent certain technologies around the light and the odor management. And so the lamp also houses the odor management system. Uh, we also include a, you know, the, the growing medium. Uh, we include some snips. We include everything that you might need to grow. Uh, the only thing we don't include at the moment is a seed because we want to con continue to be a, a, a non-plant touching company. But we are partnering with seed banks who have access to all the different seeds. And we're, we're helping our users discover what kind of seeds they need to use for whatever ailment uh, they want to fix. Uh, and, and depending on their, their physiology and things like that, we have some suggestions that we can make. Um, but eventually, as, as more cannabis reform comes along, we'd love to just be able to supply you with everything that you need so that you don't have to go to another source to, to get anything. I mean, my whole philosophy around products is you should sell a solution, not another problem. And so we're really, we're trying to make our way into that direction. Amen to that. The name, uh, it, I feel like I was thinking this earlier when I was saying it and I hadn't even met you yet. I'm like thinking Silicon Valley. Then we brought up Silicon Valley at some point in the last 20 minutes that I've known you. It, is it a spinoff of that in any kind of way? Like, I feel like <laughs> there was something on Silicon Valley that rhymes with Anabato. Like, I can't, I can't remember what it is, but like, what, what is? Aviato. Aviato, that's what it was. Is it, see? <laughs> Is it, is it based no off relationship that? whatsoever? Oh, no relationship whatsoever. Okay. Um, so when we did all the research, right, one of the things that we also found out is that our main market was leaning female. 
more and more women were interested in our product uh, just because they have found so much relief from cannabis for depression, anxiety, sleeplessness, what have you. And so when we started discovering that, we actually interviewed uh, a bunch of the women. I mean, we, we probably talked to four or 500 different people. And a lot of what people kept saying is, yes, I want something that just works. I just need to add water. Uh, but if you can also make it beautiful so that I can have it in my living room and I can use this as a way to talk to my friends and family about my cannabis consumption, then you're going to really help me with normalizing its consumption. Uh, a lot of our customers, I mean, stigma is still pretty alive and well. A lot of our customers have never told anybody that they consume cannabis. They confessed to me that they consume cannabis. And, and it is just such a shame that this plant has so much benefit to provide to people but because of the stigma, we are limited by how we either consume it or we talk to people about it. And so our, our market, right, a lot of these female, um, a lot of the women and, and everybody that we talked to really wanted something that was going to be beautiful so that they could be proud of it and they could put it in their living rooms. And so when we started doing all the, the, the you know, brainstorming and everything, two of the themes that kept coming up were, you know, Japanese Zen-like environments and Scandinavian design. Um, you know, Scandinavian design always blends organic and inorganic products like wood and metal. Um, Japanese Zen-like environments are very peaceful. And so when we design the machine and you can see we're blending, you know, the organic, the wood and the plastic, uh, we made it look like something that could be in a Japanese Zen garden or, you know, a yoga room, something like this. Um, and so when, when we thought about those two things, the name Anna Boto, Anna is a very typical name in, in Sweden. And then Boto is for Roboto from uh, the Japanese robot. And so we combined the two, Ana Boto. And uh, in my experience, I've been working with robotics for, you know, like I said, the last two decades. Uh, a lot of it is, you know, these are intelligent hardware devices. And so you want to have a relationship with them. And people usually name their, their devices. Um, and so we wanted to have a name that people could relate to, which is like Ana Boto, Ana, say hello to Ana Boto, things like that. Uh, but at, at the same time, we gave people access to the ability to change their Anaboto's name on, on the mobile app. And so it's great seeing how people are calling their machines. You know, they're calling, well, I call mine Carl Boto, uh, but everybody's been calling it different names. And usually there's a Boto around at the end. And so it was a name that people loved. People loved the fact that it was a robot and it was growing their cannabis, their medicine. And we just stuck with it. And now it is uh, no relationship to Aviato. I want nothing to do with Elric Bachmann. But uh, it is it is a name that has stuck. People like it, and um, you know that, that's that's the story of, of where it came from. I want to dig into the the AI aspect of this. So, is there sensors in the soil, or if they're assuming there is soil, but is there sensors in terms of to to measure water? Um, and does that go back to you? Um, and then does the, the app then give you push notifications that, you, hey, you need to do this or you need to, you know, you need to tend to whatever it is that you're growing? Yeah, I, I, I want to hear about the AI aspect of this. Yeah, that's my favorite topic. Um, so th this is a, a data capture device, essentially. Um, and by the way, it's hydroponics. So there is no soil. Uh, we went with hydroponics because it is the fastest way to grow a plant. Uh, also, because it's only water and there is no soil, uh, you have a lot less risk of having pests because the pests don't have anywhere to lay eggs. Um, and so, you know, and it's also easiest to grow as long as you have a device that can control everything and, and it's sensing things. So uh, the AI actually uses data from the sensors that, that we have in the machine. So temperature, humidity, uh, light brightness, uh, water consumption, things like that. 
We also look at your zip code, so where you live, and then we have a database of water composition to kind of understand what your water is. Uh, and that gives us some idea of how to create the base recipe for your specific strain in your specific water environment. And then the most important one is the vision AI. So the lamp that sits above the device has a camera. And so as the plant is growing, and this is what a botanist would tell you, a lot of how you can tell how a plant is growing is by looking at the leaves, right? If they have little brown dots, if they're turning color, things like that. And so the vision system is what's looking at the plant growing. And based on those markers that we see, we can actually adjust the recipe and, and the artificial intelligence is there to make it so that you, you know, if you can imagine, if we have 100,000 of these things all over the world, it's going to be very difficult for us to create a custom recipe for every strain in every environment and in every different water environment. So uh, we needed a way to scale it. And that's where the artificial intelligence comes in. Um, so yes, our vision is anyone, anywhere, any time of the year, any strain. And, and that's where the AI is really powerful. It's generalizing, it's creating the right recipes, and it's helping our customers grow effortlessly, which is, which is what we set out to do. That's really Do you plug it into the wall? Yep, you plug it into the wall. Yep. Um, here, let me turn it around so you can see kind of what's going on behind the scenes. Just your standard plug. All right. Yeah. Standard plug. So you plug this into the wall. You have a little power switch that you could turn on and off. Uh, you have these other software controlled outlets. So, for example, in Boston, in the winter, it gets cold and dry. So you may need a little bit of a space heater and a humidifier, things that you would have at home anyway. So you plug them in and then on the app, you say, all right, outlet one has a humidifier, outlet two has a space heater. And then the machine turns it on and off as needed, right? Depending on the strain, depending on, on what it is that we're trying to simulate. Uh, we have USB ports, so you can connect the, the lamp, gets connected in here. This is how we get the data. We have an ethernet port in case you wanna connect and you don't wanna have access to Wi-Fi. Uh, but this is it and it uses, depending on where you live, it uses about 10 bucks a month worth of electricity. Uh, to power on the light and power on the fans and the device. Um, the other things that we should talk about the device is we have three buckets. And so essentially, this is the fresh water bucket. This is the one that you always want to pour water in. Uh, your cartridge with nutrients goes in here. And so what happens is uh, the machine, once it gets its recipe, takes water from this tank. It adds the nutrients and it puts it in this tank where all the roots are hanging out. And then once a week, it takes all the water from the main tank and it drains it into this other tank that's removable. Um, and then you can use this water to actually pour it into your plants that have soil. Uh, at this point, the nutrified water is at a pH level that is fantastic for uh, plants and soil. And so you can use that same water to feed your other plants. And, and you get this virtuous cycle where your plants and soil are benefiting from the light and they're benefiting from the soil and so the, the water. And so we're really recycling as much as we can here. Um, but yeah, it's a very simple system. And, and like I said, I mean, if we want to enable anybody to be able to use this kind of technology, it has to be that simple to use. Um, and, and that's, that's what we're doing. Hmm. I think it sounds, I mean, to me, I think it's super robust. I mean, it doesn't sound simple at all to me. I mean, you really, it seems like it's really well thought out a whole lot different than a, a home brew uh, kit for for the the or the craft home brewers. Yeah, the, the, like home brewing sucks, man. I mean, I've tried it so many. I mean, you know, you spend hours like and hours, and it always tastes awful. And yes. you can just go to your corner store, and you can get incredible IPAs for you know fifteen bucks, right? And and that's great. That's awesome. 
this is not like home brewing. This is not a hobby, right? I mean, people are growing this because they need the plant. Um, but also a difference to home brewing is, you know, the plant is what you consume. So it, it's really, as long as you have an automated system like this, it handles everything. All you have to do at the end is harvest it. And then we have these pouches where you can put the harvest and it, it does the curing for you. So you don't even have to worry about the curing. Um, so essentially it is really as hands-off as it can get. Whereas with home brewing, there are so many opportunities for it to get infected. And, you know, like you can miss measure things if the water is not right. I mean, it's just, it's awful. And so, you know, that's really difficult. I actually like to, um, you know, I, I think this is more similar to the people who, who make, you know, their own coffee, who have the fancy coffee machines. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, you get your grain, you know, it's people who, who consume coffee on a daily basis, um, who really take pride in, in the coffee that they drink. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is, it is, it is nothing like home brewing. I mean, I've, I've done it so many times. I don't think, I think I only made one beer that was ever good. And I've, 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 I've sworn it off. Never again. You were probably drunk when you <laughs> drank that and you thought it was good, but it was disgusting. Um, well, so and I was drunk when I was making it. Exactly. <laughs> so you, you, you mentioned coffee and as I'm looking at this, it's about a thousand bucks that I can see to, to purchase it. And a lot of uh, hardware products have some sort of recurring revenue baked into it, right? So if you think about your your razor blade shaft, and then you buy the blades every month, right? You think about your Keurig machine, you buy the, the pods every month. Is there anything baked into this that allows you to have some sort of recurring revenue after they give you the grand or or anything coming up on anything like that? What What's the deal? Yeah, so... So we're starting with just the consumable. So you need it. Like I said, there's a nutrient cartridge that has all the food. You need one of those per grow. Each grow takes about okay. 90 days. So you can imagine every quarter you're getting at least one of these things. The other thing is the fan that does all the order management. We have to come up with this active carbon filter that is super special. I mean, this is not that you can buy off the, the shelf. Uh, we have to invent something like this. And so that is something that we send you, uh, again, on a quarterly basis uh, because it they gets saturated. Do they pay a quarterly Yeah, you pay a monthly that? fee. You pay a monthly fee. Yeah. And then yeah. we, we know, right, because we have all the data when you're going to harvest. And so we can send you the next cartridge, the next uh, the, the next active carbon filter. Those pouches that I mentioned that keep the humidity control, that keep you all the curing, that stores it, uh, we send you those kinds of things. And in the future, we'd love to, to be able to send you seeds. Uh, we got to get to this cannabis reform and we got to figure out if that fits within our strategy. But we also want to send you the seeds. And, and so, um, you know, we want to guarantee all of this. We want to make it as, as, as easy for people to buy this as possible. So you mentioned the top thing as well. And in our area, we have a ton of people um, at Jefferson Labs and many other research institutes, I guess is what you would call them. And their IP just sits on shelves. I mean, that's mm -hmm. what they say. I don't know if it literally sits on a shelf. Maybe it's somewhere in the cloud. But, but Tim and I have both spoken at events like this where it's like, hey, like, it's great that you built this thing. But like, let people use it, right? Mm -hmm. As I'm listening to you talk about your product and then specifically the um, the fan filter light thingamajig, like I just, I can think of so many people, specifically like the city that I live in, like when I walk into their downtown now, it just reeks of pot, right? Like are, and, and I don't think everyone loves that smell, right? Are there, is there a commercial, are you thinking about maybe even pivoting off of since you guys built that? And, and, and making that its own product, like is it, cause it seems like that is something that so many people are trying to shy away from cause they don't want to be in that situation. Or even if they're cool with it, they still don't want that smell to be there. Well, is there, 
are there any thoughts on making that its standalone product or have people uh, shown interest in that? I mean, it's. So there's two ways to answer this question. Yeah. Yeah. One is um, because we're doing all the order management, we happen to have the benefit that if you're smoking or vaping next to it, it'll actually filter that. So now you can smoke indoors and we can clean that air. So, so there is, there is a little bit of benefit as long as you're indoors creating a device for, uh, so you can smoke and then, you know, like clean it so that it doesn't smell everywhere. Uh, that is something that we probably won't do. It is not our core competency, right? There's no AI in it. There's no robotics component in it. Having said that, uh, we might partner with people who are building these solutions because our customers want something like that as well. And so you can imagine that in the future, our store will sell this, but part of your subscription could be, we'll send you, you know, this device that somebody else made with, with part of our technology so that you can now smoke outdoors and not, you know, reek everything. Um, or, you know, so, so there are things that we want to do. We probably will build partnerships, but it's not a product that we will make. It, it, it just, um, I don't, I don't think that is, that is, you know, that's where we want to spend our time. That's not where we want to spend our time. Yeah. I just didn't know if there's actual IP on that. Sorry, there is some IP. Yeah. We have, we have IP on most of our IP sits on, on the artificial intelligence, how this device works, how we manage the water. Uh, you know, we have the, the secret sauce is really all the data that we're collecting. Uh, because that's really what's going to make this powerful and robust in the future. Um, I mean, we're likely to use that data for, for many reasons, right? I mean, we, we can go, we can license this data for industrial growers. Uh, that is definitely an avenue that we're seeing. I mean, I come from manufacturing where we've been automating manufacturing lines because people don't want to work there and wages are going up. And it's the same thing with cannabis. It was fun at first because people were getting paid in cannabis, uh, but you can't feed your your family with cannabis. And so wages are going up. Um, people don't want to work in these facilities anymore. And so there's going to be a need for automating these processes. And the data we're collecting is going to help with that. Uh, we can also leverage this data to grow plants at home. I mean, maybe not pineapples because it takes so long, but yeah, you can grow corn, you can grow other things uh, that are, you know, you can consume on a quarterly basis. I mean, our whole, my whole vision is we should, be able to help people grow at least 5% of their food at home by 2030, right? And that is 20 days worth of food. So that's not a that's not a, a terribly difficult goal to reach. But if we can do that and you're a city dweller and you can grow food at home and at least feed yourself for 20 days with stuff that you grew, that's going to have a significant impact on the economy, on the environment. And I mean, because the cost of food, only 20% of the cost of food is actually attributed to the food. Everything else is marketing and logistics and things like that. And so, um, you know, we have a lot of avenues, but I think it all, it all revolves around the data that we're collecting and how people are interacting with the machine to grow plants at home. Yeah. I'm just doing the math. I'm like, gosh, three years, 10 bucks a month. That's a $360 pineapple Zach. It's going to be a really good pineapple though. (laughs) It's in the trash. It was thrown away. Uh, I, I, I think I, I actually took it. I think I just took it and threw it into the woods. I was like, this, it got, you know, it got to be like a little bit, you know, a couple inches. But like, had we known, like we invested like in this nice pot around it and everything. It wasn't an Anabato style, but I mean, it was a Zacabato, if you will. And uh, it, it just, had I known that it needed more than, you know, six to nine months to to do it, we would still have that damn pineapple. Yeah. Mm. Well, you know, what's interesting about the data that we're collecting is um, here, if if I can show you real quick, uh, let me see if I can show you my screen, Um, share screen, let's see here, because I am interested about about the whole data collection thing, like, like, primarily from a, do you, 
is there any threat at all? Like if a, uh, if a state where it's illegal, if they should want to ask you about, Hey, if, you know, what's the ha- so in habits of so-and-so because they're trying to build a case on someone, do you have to worry about that? Or do you just have a strict confidentiality type of agreement? So um, we can talk about the data in a second about the privacy. I'm a yeah. big privacy nerd. And so, but essentially th- this is my plant, right? And this is, this is one of the, you know, we're, we're collecting data on all the machines. And so every 15 minutes, we take a picture of how the plant is growing, the humidity, the temperature, how much water it's consuming, the light it's receiving, all this other stuff. Um, from that, you know, one of the things that we are starting to do is we're starting to change the recipes. We're starting to do some A-B testing with plants that are in similar locations to see how we can maximize the output. And so you can imagine if we have a machine in Alaska, one in Arizona, and one in Amsterdam, very different climates. And we can start really understanding how we can push the limits of how fast and how well we can grow these plants. Uh, And then we can also send them different fertilizers and things like that. We're going to be doing some incredible research that eventually will help us get to some genetics and corn or other high caloric uh, plants that, that we can grow at home. And how do we grow them faster? And how do we grow them in a space that is smaller so that it can fit in an apartment? I mean, we can do all these things now because we're actually collecting the data And we have a way to consistently grow these plants. And so that is something that gets me really excited. And and that is definitely a potential that because we we don't have information like this, right? I mean, everything that we grow is outdoors. We've been growing kind of the same uh, crops over and over. And yes, like, for example, Brussels sprouts, they changed the flavor of Brussels sprouts over the past 20 years to make it more accessible for people. That's awesome. Well, now we can do this at the home level. uh, And we also have data and A-B testing all over the world, right? So that's going to be very exciting. Now, in terms of data, um, I am a, a big uh, privacy nerd. I, I, you know, we have all of the data on our users on one database, one provider, and then we have all the data that we're collecting on the plants on a completely different database. Everything is multi-factor, um, you know, authenticated. Uh, I don't want any breaches. Um, we don't want anybody to to know who's growing what. Uh, again, like I said, I mean, we're not a plant touching company, so we are exempt from a lot of the regulation. We just sell fancy buckets and electronics. Um, but I do think that we have cannabis reform coming our way. I mean, Canada is completely legal at this point. Germany's thinking about legalizing. The U.S. is, I mean, I, I think 75% of the people have access to some sort of legal cannabis in the States. 90% of people are in favor of legalizing cannabis. It's just a matter of time. And I know that's all political, but uh, we're going to get there eventually. And I don't think this should be a problem. I mean, the reason this became illegal was mostly racially, uh, racially motivated. And, you know, there's no time for that anymore. And so we're, we're, we're making amends. We're making a difference. We're making a change. And I think President Biden, I mean, it was a great tweet last week. And, and if you haven't seen it, you can actually go to the White House page and look for cannabis reform. And there's a bunch of stuff that they're recommending to do. And I, I'm very excited about that future. Yeah, I, I want to touch on the fact of your background, where you came from, what your stance originally was uh, with marijuana. Can you touch on that? Because I found that really, really interesting. And just how you, your viewpoints have changed. Uh, and, and yeah, I'd love you, for you to share that with the audience. Yeah, so I, I'm originally from Mexico. Uh, I moved to the States about 20 years ago for two reasons. One is I, I wanted to study robotics and, and Boston is the place to be for robotics. Uh, but the second reason was because the war on drugs had devastated my country. I mean, it is, it, it's just, it's awful. I mean, you hear about all these 
things that are happening in Mexico. And Mexico is such a lovely country with such lovely people. But this war on drugs has done nothing but, you know, like make it difficult to live in places like Mexico, Colombia, et cetera. And so um, I was very against any type of drug. I mean, the last thing I wanted was to spend money on anything that could buy bullets to kill other people. So completely against drugs. Uh, it always became an issue with friends and with relationships that I had because, um, you know, Cannabis in the States was, you know, people in college, they, they smoke weed. It's, it's good. It's acceptable. It's part of the journey, I guess. But I was completely against it just because of, of what has happened in Mexico. Uh, but one of the things that I've learned in my career is that you should always have strong opinions, but they should be loosely held. Right. And so I had a strong opinion about drugs. And then when, when we started doing all this research and I started talking to all the people who consume cannabis, the reasons for why they consume cannabis, how cannabis has made them better people, um, I, you know, that, that swayed my opinion. I was like, oh, th this is actually a wonderful, wonderful plant. We should, we should be you know, yelling as, as high as we can that you know, this should become legal. We should stop the stupid war on drugs um, and we should make it accessible to anybody. And so now, you know, I, I came from a stance of like nothing to do with drugs, uh, severing re relationships because people consumed, you know, cannabis and things like that to now being a huge advocate for, for cannabis and cannabis reform, because it really is such a wonderful plant. And a lot of the customers that we talk to, I mean, our customers range from 26 to 80. Uh, this is the only thing that works for them for their depression, their anxiety, their sleeplessness, things like that. Um, and it's even being used on, on kids with epilepsy. I mean, it is just such a wonderful plant. And the fact that we have not had access to, to be able to do research on it because of its status. I mean, I don't know if you know, but this is classified as more dangerous than fentanyl at the moment, uh, which is just absurd. And again, it comes back for, from this racial motivation to suppress brown and black communities back in the Anslinger days um, to now, you know, it, it's a plant and it's wonderful and it's been consumed by humans for, I think, millennia. So um, it, it is, yes. So I changed my, I went I, I a complete 180 degrees. I think that's one of Biden's uh, proposals, right? Is to change the class, classifications uh, of marijuana from whatever class four or what, what I don't know, something about that. But w with that, do you have any concern in terms of like the, uh, so I'm really stretching on my knowledge here. I just, I overheard something. Is it like the, the strength and the, of the strains of marijuana, like 20 years ago, there was really, really small amounts, whereas now it's you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 times higher in strength than it was back then. Is there any concerns on that? Or is this, yeah, I don't even know how all that stuff works, but is that, is that a concern? It is. And, and I'm not in favor of what's happening in the market. So essentially what you're talking about is the THC percentage. The THC is you know, one of the chemicals that does the mind altering stuff. And um, one of the things that people, companies have been focusing on is making their strains with as high THC as possible. And that's okay, right? It's working. Most of our consumers, in fact, don't like that. Uh, most of the people who buy our machine are partially buying it because the stuff that you buy at dispensaries either has no flavor or the THC um, percentage is too high. Um, I, I don't think that works for, for everyone. I, I think what's more important, and this is where we have to educate the market a lot more, is the terpenes. The terpenes are actually what has all the medicinal benefits. Um, you know, you have to figure out what it is that you're trying to solve. There's a lot of material out there that you can read on 
but yeah, right now everybody's focusing on the THC. They're forgetting about the terpenes. Uh, they're coming up with special fertilizers and chemicals to increase the THC um, power. And so I, I don't necessarily agree with that. Having said that, you know, a lot of the market is, is looking for that. And like, I, you know, going back to the beer reference, um, there's going to be a lot of Bud Light out there, a lot of like really high strength, like the Platinum Bud Light for people who want to consume high THC stuff. But the people who are consuming it for medicinal purposes, uh, by and large, they're more into the terpenes. Um, there are people with PTSD who do benefit from the high percentage because they just want to get knocked out. And this is a lot better than any of the pharmaceuticals mm -hmm. that are out there. So in those cases, I think that's fine. But for most people, focus on the terpenes, learn about terpenes. That's where it's at. That's where you can get the most benefit. Forget about the THC content. There's actually a lot of plants out there with very minimal THC, a lot of CBD, but with a lot of terpene profiles. And, and you know, the more you learn into this, the more you're going to nerd out about, you know, how diverse this plant can be and, and all the different things that you can get from it. I, I didn't know that story from you. So that was cool to hear. Um, What's interesting is, you know, the Hollywoodification, I don't know if that's a word, but the, um, you know, this is bad. We're, we're taught our entire lives. This thing is bad, right? But ultimately, let's just say it's a vice, right? It's a vice just like gambling and drinking and, and cannabis and several other things. I always thought it's interesting now that we rank these vices and we're like, oh, well, this one's really bad. But like, we don't know why it's bad. And it, it, it they're, they're, it's so frowned upon and it's, it, because of that, it's so hard to um, maneuver or get back to a, a positive place with it. And it's 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 always just interesting to me that someone said it was bad for whatever reason. And trying to jump out of that hole, if you will, is is, is quite difficult. And it's interesting to see just in the last five years or so where this is where this is gone. Um, cause I, when, when was it like in Oregon or Washington and Colorado, it became legal. It seemed like that really changed, um, the whole ball game. It's just, it's just interesting to me that like people have proven that this isn't as bad as they thought, but yet you can smoke cigarettes, which apparently are like the worst thing. I mean, it's just like, or, or maybe cigarettes aren't that bad. I don't know. But like, it's just, someone said it was bad. So therefore we got to believe it. And it's just. It's, it's always yeah, interesting. I, These are, I mean, they have to like believe that someone is t leading us in the right way when maybe they're not. There's a, a few things going on, and I think this is a great topic. One is everything can be abused. Everything you can abuse of, of anything, right? And so yeah. it is up to us to decide, you know, like what is the right level of consumption. I mean, you know, I know people who run ultra marathons. These are hundred mile races. Races. That's like really bad for your body, right? And it's not healthy. But people do it because it's it's what what people do. Um, cannabis can be abused for sure. Uh, having said that, the downsides of abusing cannabis are a lot less than abusing alcohol. For example, alcohol is physically addictive. Um, you can actually die from from alcohol poisoning, and that is legal, right? And and there's branding, and you can do Super Bowl ads and all this other stuff. Cannabis. Um, can be abused for sure. Um, there is no evidence of anybody ever dying from a cannabis overdose. Uh, it does make you do stupid stuff. So as long as you're responsible with how you're doing things, um, you know, it, it is fine. Now, the research side, it's all about education, right? I mean, again, going back from THC to terpenes, right? Let, let's educate the market. Let's educate the market on what's good, what's bad. Um, I think a lot of the research that we have um, was sponsored to say that cannabis was bad. And so, so 
really we have to um, educate ourselves. We have to read. There's not a lot of research out there around the benefits of cannabis. Now that it's becoming more legal, uh, there's a lot of research coming out of Israel around how cannabis is beneficial. Um, for example, one of the things that I found most interesting is CBD has been this incredible thing that everybody is getting into, right? For pain management, for uh, sleeping, for whatever. But one of the most interesting pieces of research that has come out of Israel is this thing called the entourage effect, which means that CBD by itself is okay. But when you combine it with all the other things that come with a cannabis plant, even trace amounts of THC and things like that, it becomes that much more powerful. It's the same thing with salmon, right? And, and you, you eat omega-3, but because it comes from salmon and it's good for you. But once you eat it in salmon and it comes with all the additional things that are in salmon, then it, it becomes a lot better for you, right? So it's that entourage effect. And I'm hopeful and I'm seeing this already that with the cannabis reform, with more states being legal, um, we're going to get access to more of that research and we're actually going to be able to make more informed decisions. The other thing that you said, which was really interesting, is cannabis first became legal for adult use in Colorado about a decade ago. So people turned 21 and they had access to both legal alcohol and legal cannabis in Colorado. And now these people are, you know, full grown adults, they have jobs, they have kids, and they've had access to both cannabis and alcohol. And you are seeing a trend that it's called, I think it's called California sober, where people are starting to consume more cannabis and they're stopping alcohol completely. Um, and nothing bad has happened. I mean, there have been things that have happened, but it hasn't been this world that people describe that, oh, we're going to legalize weed and then everybody's going to shoot each other and it's going to be this terrible world. That has not happened. And in fact, you know, it's actually been positive. I don't, you know. But I, don't I you think that mostly... you're going to have, you're going to have like the lobbyist and then the, the, the alcohol companies pushing probably a narrative to push that, you know, cannabis is bad in that case. I mean, because they're losing money if you're California sober. I've heard that before. I, that's a great line. It's like, it's, it's so funny, but I mean, it's, uh, don't you think that we're going to start to see that kind of marketing push towards like, Hey, yeah. like, I mean, we're already seeing it. Right. And it's not only the alcohol industry, it's also the pharmaceutical industry. Um, and, and, but it comes down to the money at the end of the day. And, and just to give you a few facts from, from last year, Massachusetts made more money from tax income from cannabis than they did from alcohol. So that's a really big deal. And when that happened, like all the neighboring states were like, wait a minute, <laughs> those guys are getting all this money. All of our citizens are going across the border to get their legal cannabis. We got to change. Right. And so there's same, a little bit of rates. political uh, same rates as uh, no, no, no. The cannabis is like, I mean, the, the tax rate for cannabis is huge, but people are still willing to pay it. Right. And so but it gross some uh, they made more money from from cannabis than, than from alcohol. The other thing is uh, legal sales of cannabis exceeded what Starbucks made last year. So more legal cannabis was sold last year in, in dollars than Starbucks coffee. That's like a really big deal. And so when you start seeing numbers like this, um, yes, you get the alcohol industry starts getting concerned. The pharmaceutical industry starts getting concerned. But governments start seeing dollars and they start seeing taxes and, and they start seeing, yeah, money, right? And so... But unfortunately, this is how the world works. And, and so as soon as you start seeing those things, I mean, we're, we're starting to see this change. But you are going to get those narratives. Um, it is unfortunate uh, because really we should be concerned about the health benefits to people, not necessarily just making money. 
but we got to face reality and we got to roll with the punches and we got to figure out how we're all going to fight for a little piece of the pie. Uh, but it's also going to be up to the consumer to make those decisions. And so, like I said, it's all about education. We got to help educate the market as much as possible. And we're all going to be fighting right together. Um, there is a way to collaborate. I mean, I think one of the most exciting parts of the cannabis industry right now is the, the drinks. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, where you can drink drinks. a soda. Yes. No, even THC drinks. You get this little soda yeah, we, and it has five milligrams of THC. On. Yeah, that, that, that. that's a CBD though, not the THC. Oh, okay. So now there's THC drinks and like, that's incredible. Uh, but like, for example, in Boston, uh, people want to go to a lounge, right? I mean, right now you can consume cannabis in your home. Great. But if I want to go to a bar, if I want to go hang out my, my, with my friends and, you know, I'm, I'm California sober, I don't have an option. And so, but it's, it's been very difficult to get these lounges accepted where you can just go into a public space, meet with your friends, consume cannabis. Um, because I think it is being, you know, there are lobbyists kind of pushing their agenda, uh, but it's all going to change. And I, I think, you know, again, I think the most exciting thing that has happened in the industry in a long time was uh, Biden's, you know, cannabis reform tweet last week. Uh, just because once we get the White House on board and we really start getting this this law in place, I think it's going to make it a lot easier. Uh, the other thing, Zach, that you mentioned was, you know, you were talking about your friend who had all this money taken away from the bank. Um, that's very difficult for the cannabis industry. I mean, if you are touching the plant, there are very few banks that you can use. You can't use credit cards. I mean, this is a cash industry right now. It's a imagine. This is the, the immensity of this problem. This is a cash industry and they're selling more cannabis legally than they are selling Starbucks. That's a lot of cash. I mean, yeah. now you have to create this whole industry to move cash from the dispensaries to very specific banks. I mean, you know, you never know if your Instagram account is going to be taken away. Your bank account is going to be shut down. It is so risky to be in this industry. But the fact that people mm. are willing to do this, obviously, they're. I think in a lot of cases, they're they're dollar motivated but in a lot of cases it is so hard that the only reason people keep fighting is because they understand the true value and the true benefit of cannabis and it being legal um and that is you know i have a lot of respect for the people who have fought for cannabis legalization in the past i just happened to come in and kind of riding the wave and and i am very appreciative for all that fight but now like i said my opinion went from hating cannabis to like being an advocate of it and now I'm willing to start a company in this very, very difficult industry and fight for it because I do believe in the power of cannabis and the benefit that it brings people. It's it's a good story, too. What's interesting, uh, you, banking. Uh, so like all these like gambling apps, the DraftKings, the FanDuel's of the world, they really uh, you don't tap into normal banks. You got to use kind of like your new age banks to. Or, or funding sources to, to push money into those things. So even them, who's getting, you know, you're seeing this stuff just blasted everywhere, where now gambling is the coolest thing in the world, and it's cool. Banks still aren't in game with that, and I would think that they're mm -hmm. losing a ton of money by not tapping into things like that. Like, for example, like, I tried using, like, my, my normal bank account to put in money, and it said no. And I was like, uh, okay, like, I, I guess I'll just do this from somewhere else. But, like, it, it's, 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 it's a while. We're living in a wild world right now. Yeah. And well, well and, and the timing and, of this show is interesting because, uh, Carl, we're going through this, like Virginia is going through this whole process right now, uh, slowly going towards legalization. But yeah. And then. Oh, it's not legal. Back, well, so that, that it's all, I don't even know where it stands right now because like some things happen and like, I think medicinally is legal, but then there's a backtrack based on the new governor and, 
you know, so it's slowly working its way and there's only, I, I don't know. I, I really have no idea. I think it's legal to grow at home at least. Um, so if you guys are interested in growing at home, we can help, but uh, no, it, it is an interesting future. Right. And, and one of the things that I really like about what's happening right now is technology is amazing. Right. And so we have these problems with banking and, and you just touch on a bunch of things. And so now there's this whole cryptocurrency industry that I think the government is very scared about because now we don't, we can't track where money is at. And, and there's problems that are being solved in that regard. But we are creating these industries to help support some of these other things like online gambling and cannabis and things like that, which eventually are going to need their own regulation. And it's going to be very, very difficult to regulate. And, and that's why, you know, finding a comprehensive solution that works for everybody is, is just important, right? I mean, you can't just say, all right, cannabis is legal, but you can't use banking. I mean, that is just that is very difficult to understand because now you're going to find all these other technocrats who are going to figure out how are we going to get people to pay for this? How are we going to circumvent the law? I mean, how are we going to do all these incredible things to facilitate um, being a part of this industry? And that's what's happening. And I think that's fantastic. Um, you know, I think technology is moving a lot faster than legislation. I think that could potentially lead to a lot of problems. But at the same time, like the power to the people, right? I mean, there's a problem. Let's find a solution. And I think that's incredible. There's a local CBD joint that is trying to expand, actually, and they're having problems with leasing agents or or, or just places to to get commercial real estate because they're like, we don't want you in our shop, or we don't yeah. want this, and and it's 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 like ready to ready and willing to to do multiple locations and can't find a place that will will be cool with it, and and that's uh, an, an interesting conundrum, if you will. So, yeah, I mean, speaking of all the the funding aspect, one of the things that I noticed going to to your site was uh, that you can invest now. So you're currently raising through WeFunder. Love to hear about that process. Uh, and it looks like you've gained, you've got quite a bit of traction, the 373,000 committed to, uh, to that fundraise. How's that going for you? Yeah, it's great. I mean, again, right. Problems, people come up with solutions. So investing in companies has always been, difficult because you have to be an accredited investor and you know you have to have a lot of money and so that makes it very exclusive to a small population of a small percentage of the population who has that money to invest with um president obama he made some changes that allow everyday people to invest in companies uh, you know not a lot of money but but a good amount of money and so now the, these community rounds as as we funder calls them and i agree with them allow everyday people to invest in companies like ours. And so traditionally, it's really difficult for companies like ours to, to raise money. Why? Because, you know, it's not federally legal. Uh, people don't understand it, things like that. And so we have to rely on things like WeFunder to, to raise money because um, people want to invest. And, and we have a lot of our customers, a lot of our network, a lot of people who firmly believe in what it is that we're doing. And they can go invest in our company with as little as $100. And so I'm going to do my shameless plug right now. If you go to wefunder.com slash boundless robotics, um, you can take a look at our story. You can look at our business plan. You can watch a video of me. Uh, you can look at what other questions people are asking and you can invest if you feel motivated that this is the future and you want to see companies like ours succeed. Um, and so again, right, it's, it's, it was difficult to raise money in the past for many different companies, many different reasons, but now there's a, a technical digital platform where you can go and you can actually invest a little bit of money in a bunch of these little startups uh, that have the potential to change the world. And so 
it's it's incredible, right? We're living in the future. Cannabis is legal. Technology enables all these things. Um, this is this is a great time to be alive. Yeah, it's just always yeah. crazy about just the legal aspect of things and how like it just slows everything so far down. You know, universities slow things down. The legal system slows things down. It's just like, come on, guys, like. We could be at the moon. We could have that back to the future hoverboard. You know, I like we should have these things, but it's, apparently they're trying to make flying cars, by the way, like a legit thing. Probably your boy, um, Elon, Tim. No, he's, he's against that uh, because that goes against physics. So, uh, yeah. Why, why you know, to, we to fight gravity to do something? It just doesn't make logical Is sense he against hoverboards, too. Or just I don't know. I haven't, I haven't talked to him about that, but that's why uh, that's why he's doing tunneling versus uh, defying gravity. I've mixed thoughts know. about Elon, um, but uh, yeah, flying cars don't make sense. I mean, people crash cars like it's easy, so easy to get a driver's license. Can you imagine all these vehicles just flying all over the place and crashing into buildings? I mean, I just. I think the future is more people living in cities where you can walk. I think the hoverboard is probably more of a solution. I mean, I think I live in Boston where I bike to work and a lot of people walk to work. And I think one of the mediums of of uh, transportation that is exponentially growing is these electronic powered scooters. No, I hate um, them. I think <laughs> I hate them. I hate them. I think they're the worst. But part of the reason I think I hate them is because there's no infrastructure for them. Right. And so, they don't know if they're on the sidewalk, in the bike lane, or on the road. And But at the same time, people yeah. want these things because it's a very efficient way to get to work. And, you know, forget the Segway, forget all that stuff. You get on your little thing, you, you go to work, you're there in 10 minutes, you forget traffic. I think that's the future. So I think cities, especially now with COVID and people with, you know, who don't go as work as much and there isn't that need to be in a city. I think cities need to start changing and obviously they need to create the infrastructure for people to live there, better schools, all this other stuff. I mean, we need to adjust with, with the changes, but uh, I would love a hoverboard. I think that would be it's so hard, cool. And it's, I don't know hard enough to, it's hard enough to implement a bike lane to then add a scooter into that. I, I mean, the, my issue isn't that like I, I've gone on like, you know, the Lime scooters or whatever. There's actually one in my neighborhood right now, which is kind of funny because like really? where they should be. Yeah. <laughs> so funny i'm like who the hell drove this thing here this is ridiculous because <laughs> i live in a suburb basically of the, of the city that we live in so i'm like okay this is hilarious um i i don't mind getting on them i think that part is actually you know uh convenient fun whatever you know once a year type of thing like i feel like i'm 12 again but when i'm driving or walking and these these little i was i was gonna definitely drop an f-bomb these 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 kids are just moving around like like oh, i don't care i'm like yeah this is how accidents happen i feel like an old man by saying that but it's just like there needs to be some sort of infrastructure in that. You're probably well, right. And maybe that would fix it. But And that's the interesting thing about downtown Norfolk or Boston. I mean, they're such old cities in the sense of to modernize, to create bike lanes. And you can't move buildings and all the underground uh, utilities and stuff that have been there for 200 sure. years. I mean, it's it's a uh, super driving in Boston is hard enough. I mean, that's a oh, biking idea. in Boston. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, I bike to work and uh, I mean, my adrenaline is always super high just because I've always, you know, it's it's hard not to get run over. Hmm. So what do you do in the uh, in the winter when or do you are you a, a year round biker? I try to be. I mean, if there's snow on the ground, the city actually does a good job of plowing the uh, bike lanes. Um, hmm. But if, if it's too rough, I, I, I'll 
walk. It takes me 40 minutes to walk to work. Uh, so it's not terrible. Um, I do think, I mean, I like Boston because I think they're making it more accessible for people to walk the bike. Uh, I mean, I think car and the car culture, you know, it's, it's, there's probably not a place for it in cities like Boston and maybe Norfolk uh, and maybe more cities, right? I mean, people want to live in the city because they can walk everywhere and things like that. And so um, it, we're, we're up, you know, I think, I think the next decade is going to be super interesting because I think there's going to be a huge transition away from cars and into these kind of like more, uh, individual ways of transportation and living in cities. Um, and, you know, as cannabis becomes legal, we definitely don't want more people driving. Uh, but you know, it's, it's okay to walk to work. Well, I, I mean, that's funny that you say that because like, uh, so I, I run often and I'm always amazed. So like when Zach was talking about, hey, are you going to expand in like the the deodorizing aspect? You know, like someone needs to come up with that for the air vents of cars because I'm just stunned. <laughs> like it seems like every car, like the contractor that I run past in the neighborhood, Sounds you know, it's just this reeks of marijuana. And I was like, you all need to get something, you know, to, to filter out that smell in the vehicles. I don't think. Well, they care. I mean, they shouldn't be. The they shouldn't be driving. Yeah. And, and the problem is, I mean, that's another problem, right? It's it, the police and, and the, the people who enforce the law don't have a way to know whether you are driving under the influence or not with cannabis. And I think that's a problem. I mean, again, right. Mm -hmm. we, we need to be responsible. We can't be doing stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the more we can get away from cars or get into the driverless cars and they can just take us places and we don't put other people at risk. Uh, I'm all for that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, I, I, deodorizing so that I can enable people to smoke in cars. Yeah, I don't think yeah, that's something that, that's that I want to get. <laughs> well, I wasn't saying it for the, from that perspective. I was saying it from like a city that doesn't want. You know, I mean, by, you know, the, the business professionals don't want to smell the pot from the guys yeah. down the street. That's how. I and I guess, I, and I was looking at it just in the sense that, like, Virginia's got an open. You know, the driver can't have an open container, but the passengers can. So I mean, it's just like I don't know. Just one less thing to draw attention to yourself, or. If you're on a lunch break or something, you know, maybe the, the clientele that you're servicing, you know, they don't, uh, you know, they may have a different point of view. I don't know. I, I, it'll be interesting, though, just in the sense of how many years do you think it's going to be before uh, you know, marijuana is accepted or referenced, just like going to a bar, grabbing a drink? You know, how many years do you think that we're away from that? I, I have no clue. It, it's so complicated. Um, I do think that before the end of, of the decade, uh, it's, we're going to be there. I mean, it is all the research. So it's overwhelming. You think they'll implement that yeah. back into bars without smoking back, smoking cigarettes back in? Uh, it's probably not going to be smoking. It's probably going to be the drinks. Uh, there will oh, be okay. smoking lounges uh, where you can go to a lounge and be with other smokers, as there are clubs for smoking cigarettes and pipes and things like that. Um, I do think that that will exist. I mean, if you look at, at what Amsterdam has done and you have all the coffee shops and people go and you have a, a, a place to smoke and, you know, because also you don't want to be in a place like this with your kids and things like that. Right. And so but again, I mean, if, if we want to enable this kind of um, industry, we have to create the infrastructure to be able to support it. I do think that drinks are going to be a huge thing because, you know, especially this new technology, um, it. it it gets into your system in less than 15 minutes. And so you can get kind of the same thing. You know, people get a little bit, you know, drunk at a, at a bar and, and that's fine. And you can get a little bit high as well and whatever, whatever floats your boat. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of do whatever works for you as long as you don't affect or, or negatively impact anybody else. 
um, and and we have <laughs> yeah we have to create we have to create this infrastructure and um, I do think that people are going to go to bars. I mean, I see it Boston, right? I mean, Boston is so conservative and so liberal at the same time. It is like this, mm. you know, it's it's crazy. But, but yeah, you know, I mean, legis- your point legislation sucks. legislation towards drinking, smoking, whatever. I mean, there are people who hate this. There are people who hate people who work out. You know, I mean, like they're they're yeah. like. If, <laughs> Some people could call that a vice. I mean, like, it's just like, do do you, right? Like, I don't understand why people get so angry at, at that. It's like, yo, like, this is my life. Let me do what I want to do. Like, I'm not going to affect you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be close to you. Just like, let, let me live my life. I don't understand why people want to like, get all like crazy about that. It's just, I mean, it's a wild ride. yeah, people want to push their beliefs on you. And in a way, I'm also pushing my beliefs on people, right? I, I agree with you, Zach. I think as long as it works for you, you do you and, and don't impact anybody else, right? Don't negatively affect anybody else. Be, be a good person. But if you want to do whatever for yourself, go for it. Uh, but that's my belief. I'm pushing that. Um, and, you know, uh, but I'm, I'm strong still opinions the guy that I get I get intimidated just walking into Starbucks. I'm the guy that's like, I'll just take a, a, a medium pike place and then, you know, like that's the extent of my know-how. I, I would be completely overwhelmed going into uh, a shop, you know, just knowing. It's just fascinating, all the different strains. and Tim, you and I got to go to things. one together. Uh, that'll be, that'll just be like a, whoa. <laughs> but I would imagine everyone's probably, everyone that works at those places, uh, from what I understand, it's almost like going into a uh, an Apple store, uh, going to the Genius Bar, and everyone's like super open. And and to your point, Carl, you, you're sharing your input. You want to have people have an open mind and educate people. I'm sure that the people at the different stores are the same way. And they're great. And and uh, here in Massachusetts, there are stores that are dedicated. To, like there's a store um, where a lot of the elderly people go, and it is fantastic because the the butt tenders spend time with you. They want to understand who you are, why you're consuming, things like that. And all these old people are there just waiting in line because they they want to yeah the butt tenders and it's fantastic. There are other places that that cater more to like the the culture and the coolness and all this other stuff. And it's great. It's great that these places exist. And it's great that everybody's trying to get their own market advantage, either by educating or by making it cool. Or, you know, I think it's fantastic that this exists. But I mean, if you are going to go to a dispensary, think about why you're going, right? What is the problem that you want to solve? Um, don't go after the highest THC. Always start slow um, and just make sure that, you know, you're with comfortable people. Cannabis does tend to amplify whatever you're feeling. And so that's why, you know, if you're paranoid, you're going to get more paranoid. If you're having a good time with friends, you're going to have a better time with friends. If you are enjoying food, you're going to love food, right? And so just think about why you want to do this, research it, try to, you know, understand why you want, like, don't just get high. That's just silly. Uh, but try to understand why you want to <laughs> yeah. do this and then do it in the, in comfort with friends, you know, make, make sure that you're in a good place uh, and don't do it, you know, because you're feeling pressured. Do it because you want to and you read up on it and and this is something that you will will enjoy, right? I mean... Go at this with with enjoyment in mind, and don't negatively yeah, affect anybody. That is interesting because I guess I guess doing it to do it that is kind of teenager like, I suppose. So, uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's a wonderful plant. Read up on it. Read up on the benefits. And uh, I mean, if you feel like you want to do it, then then just just be educated about it and um, and do it in a com- you know don't do anything stupid. Don't go drive. Don't do anything like that. Um, don't operate machinery. <laughs> Love it. This has been, Carlos, it's been wonderful. Learned a lot. 
got some new terminology. We're excited to uh, look up on that and uh, appreciate your time. You guys can check them out at anabato.com or look in the show notes and we will have the, the link there. Thank you for your time today. And um, I'd like to think of like a way to sign off like uh, from like a pop perspective, but I, I can't. Uh, so y'all just have a, a high time or something like that. <laughs> yeah. but it's, uh, Hey, thank you so much, guys. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate yeah, it. Thanks, Carl. Appreciate it.